0: Uh, To recap a little bit last week, uh, we talked about the family of God and how uh, the body of Christ, uh, the church in those early days in the book of Acts, uh, very much was a family for many people, and even closer than a family in many cases. Uh, And so there's a tremendous amount of value that comes to this community rhythm that we have of meeting together to worship and to pray together and meeting to study God's word and the scriptures. These are all things that the early church did in the book of Acts. And so today, um, we are looking at some pretty neat examples of Peter and John and the amazing acts of the Holy Spirit that God uh, worked on and did through them in their lives in ministry. So we are in Acts chapter 3 this week, and these two disciples, Peter and John, in the wake of Jesus' resurrection and ascension, they have a lot to offer us in this story from Acts 3. Through God's power and timing, they end up in a situation with an incredible opportunity, both Uh, to experience the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in a healing. God uses them for that. But then also to bear witness to Jesus uh, and preach the gospel to those who saw this event happen or saw the healed man and wondered what was going on. So we're going to walk through that here. Our theme today is uh, showing what God has done or telling what God has done. Um, God is certainly doing many things in our midst and in our lives. And I think it's important for us to be open to the Spirit's lead to verbalize uh, and to share those stories and those things um, that God is doing in our lives. It can be a tremendous encouragement to each other in the body of Christ, but also to this world that we live in. So God works through Peter to show his compassion and his authority over disease and paralysis. That's how this story starts in this healing. So uh, this is Acts chapter 3, verse 1, and I'm going to kind of walk through this first section of the chapter. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. So here we have a miracle coming, right? There's a miracle that's about to happen. The Holy Spirit is working here in this place and in this moment, and I do not believe for one minute that this is an accident, that this is when Peter and John just happened to walk in when this guy was there. Uh, I don't think it's an accident. I think the Holy Spirit is working some things out here in their midst. Verse 3. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. This man is expecting to receive alms or some sort of offering or, or money or food or something like that that will help him. Uh, be sustained to the next day of life it's uh, there's many people in our world today that ask for alms there's many people even in our country that ask for these sorts of things so this is not a new thing but he gets something better doesn't he something way better verse 6 peter said i have no silver or gold but what i do have i give to you in the name of jesus christ of nazareth rise up and walk and he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and begun to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. So the Holy Spirit uh, has worked an amazing act here, right? An amazing act. This man whom everybody knew and was familiar with, they knew that he couldn't walk or jump or get around on his own. And yet here he was walking and jumping and getting around on his own. A miracle happened and it was observable just in a moment like that. And this guy is full of joy because of what has happened. I love how God's grace through the Holy Spirit really can transform lives in an instant, right? There there are many different ways that the Holy Spirit can heal. Uh, Maybe that's a spiritual healing, an emotional healing, a physical healing, but that healing changes us, right? If you've ever experienced that, it can change our demeanor and our hope and our spirits in an instant. And if you know other people that that's happened to, you can see that almost tangible change in their lives. So this is what this man gets. He gets this healing. He doesn't just get a little bit of money or some food. He gets healed in an incredible way. Verse 9, And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So this man's life is changed as an innocent by God's power, by God's love. And so he sticks with Peter and John and kind of goes with them into the temple area. And uh, he needs some context, right? The guy who was healed needs to understand better why. And the people who witnessed this need to understand what happened and why it happened. So Peter and John begin telling the story, right? And what's interesting here is they aren't just saying, oh, he was healed in Jesus' name. That's true, that could have been what they said, and it would have been true, but they take the opportunity to be part of another amazing act of the Holy Spirit. They don't just share about the healing, they share about the whole story of Israel and Jesus and the coming kingdom of God through the church and the fire of the Holy Spirit. They tell the whole story, friends, and they're showing where this amazing act fits into the story of God and his people. So there's a lot of people there that get the gospel. They, they came to understand a healing, and they receive more than just that information. They receive the good news. And that's our focus today. So one of the key terms that um, I talk about, and we've talked about a lot in Emmanuel in the last year, is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And I just want to refresh refresher on that. So the kingdom of God in Christianity is the spiritual realm over which God reigns as king, or it's also the fulfillment on earth of God's will. So God, as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are the true sovereign Lord of all that is, right? And when we see God's work carried out, when we see this reality breaking through into a broken and a sinful world, we call that the kingdom of God. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done, right? And that's why we pray. God's will is fully realized in heaven, where he reigns free from the sin and the brokenness, Uh, and the competing powers of this world. And we desire to see that fully realized reign of God more fully here on earth in our midst as well. So that's how I'm using the phrase kingdom of God. So let's continue with our scripture passage here, uh, picking up in verse 11. Well, this man, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. So uh, Peter's bringing up the recent history, right? That uh, Jesus was the author of life, fully God, fully human, and rejected by the people that he came to save. Verse 16. And in his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. And this passage is a great passage. It is persuasive. Uh, It's convicting. Uh, He calls them out for missing the Messiah, but then uh, lifts up the name of Jesus as being the way which they may be saved. And he calls them to repent. And he speaks heavily into the reality of what the church faces today as well in the Western world. Um, So over the last months here at Emmanuel, we've talked a lot about the kingdom of God, and we've covered a lot of principles that we can live by uh, if if Jesus truly is our king, right? Uh, And a couple weeks ago, we talked about the Holy Spirit. Do we really believe that the Holy Spirit exists, is fully God, and working the way Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would work? Uh, So we've challenged each other around this already, and we've challenged each other to have open eyes to what God is doing in our midst, to be able to see his kingdom working so that we may go and join um, and and continue and be part of that work that God wants to do here on earth. So I want to summarize a few of these challenges that we face in our culture uh, because our culture um, and the kingdom of God are two very different things. Our culture includes areas where the kingdom breaks through, but there's a whole lot of this world and this area of the world that we live in that does not reflect God's will and God's kingdom. So this is particularly in the Western church in the American context. Um, and some of this might be a little bit of recap from previous uh, material or sermons, but it's good to be aware of what uh, the reality is that we are ministering to in this world today. So the first challenge that we face is this. And this is, these are challenges that are like self-reflecting challenges for us as God's people to reflect on ourselves. So the first challenge is this we often don't participate in the kingdom work of jesus we often don't participate Um, going to worship on sunday is one thing it is one way to participate but there is a lot bigger world out there uh, for what participation in the kingdom of god looks like and there are some things we might not consider that fall into that which we're doing if god's called you to be a parent being a good parent and teaching your child uh, the ways of god and the love of christ as well as providing for them, that's that's kingdom work right there. God has called you to that. So there's some things we might not consider that we should embrace as part of this, but then there's a lot of things that uh, in our culture we're just maybe not aware of, we're not participating in. And in Matthew 6, Jesus tells us not to be anxious about anything. He tells us not to be anxious. All of the basic things that God promises uh, to tend to are mainly what we spend all our time uh, focusing on, we've talked about this over the summer: food and money and clothing and appearances and wealth. We spend a lot of time on these things, uh, but God promises to provide these things. He says in Matthew six thirty three: Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. So, in other words, the kingdom of God is here, and it's over there, and it's over there, and it's all over the place, and God's will uh, god desires in, in his grace should be the primary focus of our lives seeking first his kingdom should be the primary like most authoritative call and purpose of our lives and when we when jesus says to seek first this isn't a passive seeking okay this isn't like a oh i think i'm gonna seek today maybe um this is like a like a passionate seeking the greek word is the It implies that it's an active pursuing, an active seeking, that we should meditate on the kingdom of God. We should strive for it. We should crave the kingdom of God. Uh, Like we crave sweet corn in July, we should crave the kingdom of God, right? We are to crave the kingdom of God first, and all the other things that matter will fall into place. This is one of the promises that Jesus gives us in the Gospels. So a good challenge reminder from our Kingdom series this past summer, how might God be calling you today to be more open and willing to participate? How might God be calling you to participate more fully or in a new way or in a deeper way in the Kingdom of God and this beautiful gift of grace that he invites us into? How might God might be doing that in your lives? To orient your life on the foundation of Jesus and his Kingdom and his work rather than building our lives on other things. It's a valid question that we should reflect on probably every day in our culture, because our culture has a very different idea of what a healthy foundation looks like. How can we say yes to participating in the work of Jesus? So the second challenge that we face in our culture and in the church, um, our eyes are not always open to what God is doing in us and around us. Maybe we have this really good kingdom-minded theology Uh, Maybe we believe that God is working in these ways and we pray for it. Maybe we have a really solid kingdom relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Yet we still don't pause and open our eyes. We still don't take the time uh, to see and discern what God is doing around us. For everyone in the crowd in our Acts passage that came to Peter and John to hear the story of what happened to this guy, there were probably a dozen others that just kept walking because there were more important things they thought that they needed to tend to in their lives. So there's a whole lot of people that missed this kingdom miracle. They missed this amazing act of the Holy Spirit. They missed the presentation of the gospel for whatever reason. Lots of different reasons, right? This is true for us today as well. And for me, this one kind of hits home. Like there's this daily grind that most all of us have, right? Um, And as a pastor, there's like uh, two or three dozen things I'm expected to be competent in. Um, And I have to balance these things, right, in my daily life. I have to balance where I spend my time. And I have to balance what I put energy into. And in this daily grind and in all these relationships um, that, that I have, It is really easy to put my head down and just carry on and finish the to-do list so that I can put my feet up in the evening when the kids go to bed, right? And maybe a lot of you feel that way. Uh, Life can be very busy and full of oftentimes many good things, right? So uh, this hits home for me because um, I want to have open eyes, and that requires time. It really requires time. Uh, Psalm 119.18 says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law open my eyes. And then later in Psalm 119.37, the psalmist writes, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Oh, that that would be true in our lives and in, and in our church and in our culture. So even Paul, a few chapters later here in Acts, uh, the apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, he experiences blindness, right? And through prayer and God's power, the scales fall from his eyes and he is able to see Jesus's Word and world and kingdom for the first time. Uh, How might we be praying for God to have those scales fall off our eyes so that we truly may turn our attention and our eyes from worthless, worthless things to the kingdom of God, to Jesus Christ and what he has for us. So how might you slow down and pause and open your eyes to the work that God is doing and wants to do in your life and through your life for the kingdom of God? And this ties closely to our previous challenge. Uh, we know our lives are full of things, but how can we create margin? How can we create that space to stop and smell God's roses? There's lots of good things uh, for us. And I think we just need to patiently slow down and pause and take the time to look uh, and see these things. And if we ask the Lord to help us do that, I think he's going to help us do that, right? I think he's going to help us do that. And if we want to tell about and show about what God is doing, we need to see it, right? We need to actually be looking for these stories to tell. We need to be looking for these experiences that will both bless us and those around us, but also be an encouragement to those that we get to rehash and tell these stories to later. So, um, in some encouragement, God's work is beautiful. Like, God's kingdom, his world, his kingdom is beautiful. Like, the Rocky Mountains or the beaches of Jamaica... And when you take the time to stop and look and and soak that in, you will be encouraged and blessed as a result of that. So we want to participate in God's kingdom. We want to have open eyes to what God is doing in us and around us. And this brings us to our main challenge for today. So when we see God moving in our lives, which many of us do, when we see God moving in us or around us, I think we rarely celebrate it. We rarely point that out. We rarely share it with others and tell that story. We can have a good foundation and a good theology. We can have open eyes to the kingdom, and it's still possible for us to shy away from pointing out to others what God is doing and telling that story. Peter and Paul here in this uh, example from Scripture, or Peter and John from this example in Scripture, they could have easily said, by the name of Jesus, this man was healed. What are you going to do about it, right? But there's a lot more to the story. There was a lot more to the story that people needed to hear, and they were filled with the Spirit to do this. So um, I attended a retreat in July. Um, I was gone for a little while. Some of you remember um, out in the mountains, and we talked about <clears throat> we talked about something called sacred storytelling. And I a, that's been a common theme at Emmanuel over the last five or six years, I think. Uh, the idea is that God works in our lives. And our Christ experiences, our, our Holy Spirit experiences, the things that we see in our lives that God is changing and healing and bringing life to, um, these create sacred stories that are meant to be told. They're meant to be told. They're not meant to be bottled up inside. So Peter and John in our Acts text this morning, they waste no time telling this sacred story, right, of, of Jesus and his very real power uh to work miracles and heal in their midst. Acts 3.16 says, And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see now. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. So they point out the power of the name of Jesus. They tell that part of the story clearly. And that God's power uh, can even miraculously heal. And they make sure that nobody thinks it was their power. It wasn't by the name of Peter or John. It wasn't by the name of Joe the baker down the street. Um, they point to God and they tell the story God's story, Israel's story, the story of Jesus, the story of redemption. They tell the story. They show what God is doing. And they call on the crowd to repent and to turn away from the world of sin and deception, so that the crowd, so that they also may experience this kingdom of God and the rich mercy found in grace through Jesus Christ. So just like Peter and John, we have a similar call in our lives. And that might seem daunting, because we we kind of put these uh, apostles and disciples on a pedestal, right? Like we, we view them as somehow holier, or they have it all together, Peter and John were people like you and me. And you know what? They had just run away and denied Jesus in the months before this, right? Their faith wasn't necessarily all that we maybe think it was, but they were willing and available to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They were looking for God's kingdom. They were looking for how the Holy Spirit wanted them to engage. And they were willing to tell that story whenever they had an opportunity to do so. So, we have that calling in our lives too. What is God doing in our lives? What has God done for us? What is God doing right now? How can we encourage others with that story? How can we encourage others? Every single one of us in the body of Christ that can say Jesus is Lord, every single one of us that has experienced God's grace has a story to tell. Sometimes they're little stories, sometimes they're big stories, but they're all valuable and they're all sacred. We all have sacred stories to tell to point to the awesome love of our Heavenly Father. So where do you need to point out God's love in your life? Where do you need to point out God's grace and forgiveness and healing? What is the story or the stories that you have to tell that will encourage this generation inside the church and outside the church? Because God has done great things in your life, and he continues to. God has done and is doing things in the lives of others around you. And these things are meant to be celebrated and pointed out and shared, uh, both for the benefit of, the, of us in the body of Christ and for the benefit of those who are not yet part of the body of Christ, but might believe through our witness and through us telling the story of what God is doing. And we don't say, look at us. We say, look how awesome our God is. It's not about us when it boils down to it. It's about the gospel it's about our lord and savior jesus christ it's about people coming to experience the same peace hope and love and forgiveness and grace and mercy that we experience through knowing jesus christ as our lord and savior so some encouragement we are blessed with this gospel right this this best sacred story of all times we are blessed with the gospel the good news of jesus christ we are blessed with this vision of god's love and god's work And we have a testimony. We have a story to tell and to give and to offer. We are blessed with the Holy Spirit and his continued presence in our lives. Uh, God has not left us alone to tell this story. He helps us tell these stories through the power of his Holy Spirit. Look what our awesome God has done for us, friends. You become torchbearers in the good news kingdom of God um, when we when we do this, when we tell this story, when we enter into this space. So friends, what would it look like? What would it look like if we spent more time together, we spent more of our lives celebrating and sharing what God has done? It'd be pretty encouraging, wouldn't it? If we told our stories, if we encouraged each other with how God pulled us through tough times or hardships in our lives or how God has blessed us this way or that way. It's like an endless story that we could tell, I think. And I encourage you to open your eyes to that. Reflect on your life. And see where those things are, those amazing acts of the Holy Spirit in your life. See where those things are that God may want you to share about and to encourage people with. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time. So friends, the amazing acts of the Holy Spirit, they they continue in our lives. The church isn't dead because Jesus isn't dead which means the amazing acts of the Holy Spirit, which fills the church, that's still our reality, friends. That is still our reality in the body of Christ. So I encourage you this week and in the weeks to come to look for ways to share what God has done in your life, big things or little things. Show your fellow Emmanuel people and your friends and your family and your neighborhood, show them what God has done. Show them the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. So Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that he um, showed us what it looked like to be part of your kingdom, that he showed us what it looked like to have open eyes, Lord, and you continue this testimony into the book of Acts. Lord, we praise you for this um, Acts story that we got to read today about Peter and John, about their faithfulness um, and willingness uh, to have the Holy Spirit work in them and through them for this miracle. And then they tell the story, God. And I pray that you would empower each and every one of us to tell our story. Maybe that'll take some time to work out, Lord. We know um, this isn't like a rule that we need to follow, but it's an invitation to be part of your kingdom. It's an invitation to be torchbearers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to see in our minds what it would look like for us to live more fully into this area. Give us that vision. Lord, give us that empowerment to make the decision to live that way, God, and to tell our stories. Um, And ultimately, God, this is about you in every single way. It's about you and your kingdom and your glory forever and ever. Amen.